Sober sit down. It's your host Scotty Stutch with my boy Anthony Valone out in Long Island. Up, Today guys? we bring with we bring with you my our buddy Angelo, local guest. Um, we're going to talk about the club era part two. Um, we all came up in the same time, uh, hung out with the same crew, and um, just kind of get a piggyback off our last segment. Uh, we're going to try and do about like three or four more of these club eras, bringing in new guests, um, locals that want to come on and talk about how the life affected them negatively and gave them some setbacks but didn't let them hold them hold them back and it brought them on to a more positive life and appreciated um coming back up and building themselves back up so now we're here just to try and inspire young people or those who are struggling um or prevent those to not go down the same path we did because shortcuts do not pay and living that life did not pay but um we lived it and it made us stronger people today because we came out of it um so um we're gonna we're just gonna you know talk about some stories of the past um and uh go from there so when i was growing up in the club scene like i was just telling Ange, we would i'd meet so many guys so many promoters one of the clubs was you know he's talking about sound factory but i'm talking about more of like glow savannah uh it was like spa. You know, I'm talking new generation. It was spa. Like 19 or older, but everybody could drink. I was telling them, imagine that one guy in the club that you knew had the Coke. Imagine how much money he was making. You'd buy him drinks. I'd give him a 50. You run out quick. You give him another 50. I'd come home and I'd stare at my fucking ceiling till the birds started chirping. And I would just get up and start drinking again and doing blow the whole next day. I never want to go back there. Listen, if you're doing that in the club scene now, you probably feel like shit. Because I think I needed a new fucking liver. And just hearing those birds chirp, can you guys agree with me? 
that's one of the worst sounds when you're up and people are getting up from work and you're fucking strung out on a hangover. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was the worst, man. Oh, I, was, I that just... was the one thing I dreaded every time when I was partying, hearing those birds chirping, man. And it happened every time. I never shut it off at 2 o'clock like a normal person. Dude, never. no. <laughs> and, and if you did shut it off at 2 o'clock, you'd be good because if you had work. My friend, and shout out Phil Clancy, he's in Florida. I hope he sees this. What's up, Phil? He used to just party. We used to come from the city back to Long Island. He didn't even, he went to his house and changed and got on the train and went to work. <laughs> that guy's built like a fucking robot. I could never do that. I needed a three-day rest period after I went hard, man. I don't me know. And grew up, me and Ange grew up in the restaurant business, so if we weren't in a work still high or drunk, who's going to crucify us? Exactly, yeah. We for our fathers, you know what I mean? Yeah. We had businesses of our own after that. We went into business on our own. Um, you know, Ange still is in business on his own right now, but... I had bars, like, I mean, what would I do? Like, you know, I, I had my own bar. So, like, if I went out partying all night and then I had to go to my own bar to go set up the business, what do you think I'm going to do? You go, go, you hang out in a barbershop yeah. and get your haircut. I know, yeah. It's so weird because when I had, my father had a bar. It was called Joker's Pub. Whoever's watching this from Long Island, you know, in the 90s, early 90s, my father had joker's pub it was on wantor avenue in wantor fights everything going on he sold that i was young like my dad had a pizzeria and he had a bar i was like 14 though i say to him today dad why couldn't you just wait till i was older we would have had a pizzeria still it was called cella luna that was in east meadow and we had joker's pub and that was in wantor so after he closed i got older and I managed this bar, Calamities. It was right across the street from my dad's old bar. And that's where I would go to party. And I'd go, I'd bartend, I'd take the best shifts. I'd have girls with big tits come in there. They'd go to bowl Sunday. I'd have all the guys with the motorcycles come in. There would be fights, man. Giants fans going to Jet fans. Buffalo, it would be, it was a fucking circus. The bar was called Calamities. Yeah, that's where I used to go when I was hungover. I'd start drinking. I'd open up the bar just like you guys. And, you know, you go in, you open the bar up, you turn the lights on, and then your day crew comes in, the older guys. They come in and they start to drink. So my hangovers were always cured because I used to just start drinking again. Right. You know what I mean? Cycle, but I loved owning a bar, man. It was fucking fun. Those are the good days. You get to drink for free. You get all the broad you want. And this guy, Pat Kovacs, he still owes me $2,000 to this day. Pat, if you're watching this, I know you work at fucking Yankee Stadium at the uh, beverage booth. I'm going to come to a Yankee game, Pat. And I want that $2,000 that you owe my dad for keeping the lights on. This prick came four in the morning. He fucking, I go to open the bar. Bro, all my TVs are gone. And all the liquor's unstocked. He used to travel from Jersey to Long Island. I was running the bar. We needed $2,000 to turn the lights back on. I went to my father. The next fucking night, everything was stolen. Tell he fucked me. <laughs> he fucked me, man. He did a fucking night job on me. He Sounds got like all the... Yeah. Sounds like Forklift Phil. 
Yeah, bro, I can't, but I couldn't believe it. My, still till this day, we talk about it. Pat fucking Kovacs. He works at Yankee Stadium in the beverage booth. I'm going to go to a Yankee game. I just got this at a Met game the other day. They got killed. But wait till I go to a Yankee game. I'll be looking for them. And everything will be cordial. I ain't threatening anyone. I just want my $2,000 back. Or give me free beer and free food for the day, and we're even. I'm sure you can accommodate me, right? <laughs> so back to what you're saying, and back to your saying, uh, and you uh, you're talking about like that guy that was like, and we talked about this in the last segment, like, like how how sick was our mindset back then? Like that guy you're talking about, he's in the middle of the club, he's got all the coke, he's got all the ecstasy, he's got all the whatever, whatever you were doing that night, you know, like back then it was you know Special K, GHB. Um, you know, anything, we were like guinea pigs, like you could try anything. Um, but the thing was, is like, as sad as it sounds like, we didn't want to be that entrepreneur that's at the bar running up a, a $500 bar tab that had an eight year college degree that, you know, he's got broads around him, but he's got broads around him for the right reason. And he's got the legitimate business. We wanted to be like the Coke dealer. Yeah. It's sick. A big gold chain on and. It was so different back then. I was just telling Ange that when in the club eras back in the day when we were partying, the coke dealers knew the bouncers. No one was stopping him. There wasn't really cops in the clubs. So you knew, like, this guy Flight. Let's call him Flight. Say Flight has the drugs, man. He's got the coke. He's got the ecstasy. You'd go to see him. Everybody knew who the guy was. You know what I mean? And we were like fucking guinea pigs. We, I, w I used to just have people give me pills, and I'd take it. I, we didn't know. Ange, what about you? You ever, get, you ever just get that in the club? I mean, the same with me. Every time we went in, so we had a system, man. All the girls brought the shit in. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, like, the bouncers, they would watch everybody's back. They'd give them a little duke at the end of the That's night. Right. Oh, yeah. Everything was solid. You know what I mean? Everybody had their own territory. Once in a while, you would see people fighting because, you know, they're stepping on my feet. Yeah, man. of course. But for the most part, man, every, everything was like that. Yeah. I mean, there was right to a T, man. You know exactly where to go. Right to. now. I don't feel, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ange. No, that, like now, you can't fucking do that. The guys that did their thing back then, they made a fucking killing. And if they saved that money, those are the guys that own restaurants now. Sure. Like the guy flight in the club with 50 fucking girls around him and, uh, and a pound, of, a kilo of Coke on him, just fucking selling 50 bags all night. Mm -hmm. All night, man. It didn't stop. He right. sold out every night. All he'd have to do was give the fucking bounce of 500 and he left with about 10 grand a night. But he only worked two weeks, Friday and Saturday. That's it. Oh, he made 20000 a week. That's it. That's it, man. Of my, some of my boys, even like uh, for an example, they, on a Sunday, we'd call it Sunday sessions. They go out for one hour to the clubs, not party, nothing, do straight business and out. Like that's how fast they made it. Yeah, man. Uh, it was, it was they definitely didn't fuck a fast, fast life, man. <laughs> Today, it's just so different. You, you've... When you go to a club now, I haven't been to the club. I'm fucking too old. Now, I can't even have a beer now. I feel like shit. I think it ruined our we're insides, what we were really taking. Because now if I go to a family barbecue or a party and I have a beer, my fucking heart starts pounding. My liver starts to hurt. 
<laughs> I feel good when I go to the gym and I run. But yeah, you're right, man. There was nothing to it, and They fucking went in, they made their nut, and they got out. And they did it just at the right time. Because if you try that shit now, no bounce is going for that. Everything's watched. Big Brother's always watching. Now. Nowadays. And I picked up a side gig, as I was telling you. I started working uh, management security on top of my day job. I've been doing that. Like, I just started it last week. And um, it's a club setting at nighttime. And um, I was just like, over the weekend, like, I was just like, I, I did it on Friday night. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, just watching, observing. It's on a college yeah. campus, but inside of a city. And I'm like, I'm just watching, like, nonverbals on people's faces. I'm monitoring how they're how they're interacting, how they're drinking, how they're dressed. And I'm thinking, like you said, like, it ain't like when when we were coming oh. up, like, like when, you know, you had, like everybody was walking around with, like, Diesel, Armani, all that. Like, we were walking around with $100 T-shirts. Like, these people are walking around with $10 black or white Hanes T-shirts and fucking skinny jeans. And they're, like, they're having one or two drinks. Like, at one point, they're, like, they got a little bit beat up behind the bar. And the guy's, like, yo, yo, Scotty, could you come behind the bar and, like, Give us a hand. We know you know how to bartend. I jump behind him. Like, this kid's like standing there, like impatient as hell, and he's like standing there, and he, and I was like, and you could tell like he wasn't fucked up or anything. He was just like, just how we're talking right now, and he's got like a mi empty mixed drink in his hand. I'm like, yo, bro, what are you drinking? He's like, can I get a water? I'm like, yeah, it's dude, midnight. It's fucking midnight. Yeah, <laughs> like, already fucking pussy. It's it's not the same, bro. That's why I feel like. I, listen, there's always somebody out there tougher than you. I'm not the toughest guy around. But if you look at Angelo, you look at you, you look at me, we look rough. Like, if a, if a guy came up to us, we fight on, on the spot. I don't care if I win or lose. The guys that go out now, a lot of them are liberals. They're all for fucking Biden. And you got to watch what you say about them. And their best friend wants to be... You know, their best friend wants is a boy but wants to be a girl. And I have nothing against people like that. Listen, do what do what you want to do. That has nothing to do with me, and I don't hate on it. The LGBTQ, I don't hate on them. They could do whatever they want. They have the right to do whatever they want. But that wasn't big when we were coming up. We were well, coming like, up with the wise guys and, in the club. And hold on. Like, to just stop right there so, like, people don't get a misconception, like, and and Angela attests this because like, like I was talking to Ange before we went on tonight. Like he was more of a New York guy. Like they went down to New York and stuff like that. I was more like Philly and Atlantic City. Like that was my stuff. yeah. I went to New York once in a while, but like I didn't fuck with New York. Like like you're from New York. He like spent a lot of time in New York. I I was there once in a while. Like very I can count on my right hand how many times I partied in New York like that. But I was always in Philly or Atlantic City. Um, and that's where like that's where I like to go. Um, but, um, like we were talking in that last segment, it's not like that shit didn't exist because like, even like in New York, like Sound Factory, all those places, like they were big on like some of those nights, there was a bunch of drags walking around. Yeah. Drags on. Nobody made a big deal about it though. Like everybody was like, you know, they are who they are. We respect them. You know, like, exactly. no, no foul. like they, they hung out with their crew. They didn't bother anybody, you know, bother. And then, like, you know, like I didn't bump into a person of different color than me. And they'll be like, yo, you showed me because you're racist. No, they'd say, you showed me you got a fucking problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there was none of that race shit going on. There was none of that judgmental no, stuff. Was. There was nothing like part the C's, I want special treatment nonsense. Like, 
they highlight indifferences now and they want people to be like, like I never seen, and like, I'm not going to get into a, a political debate with anybody because I know the fucking comments will be flowing on YouTube. Yeah. The main yeah. thing is, is like, how could you sit there and say that our country with these people that are running it want to run a united, unified country when all you do is preach diversity? All you do is fucking talk about indifferences. Oh, he's Chinese. He's getting special treatments. He's African-American. He's getting special treatments. Oh, you're a heterosexual white man. You're no good because of the ancestors of the past. Fuck that. We were all immigrants at one time. If you go back to our ancestors, you well, know, the Italians were with the blacks, the Italians, the Sicilians, my mother, my mother's family. They came up with the black people. If you're Sicilian, why do you think we're so dark? We came up with the black people. You didn't know that, did you? I did. The Sicilians came up with the black people. That's one thing, Scott, that you just said. There was never an issue with race, with gay people, with trans people. When we, that was never an issue in the clubs when we were growing up. You, I used to, my son's half black. My, my Cameron, he's half black, half white. I, we never had diversity problems. I was never, we weren't racist. We fought anyone. But it was because you fucking bumped into me and started talking shit. It wasn't because you were white and I was black. Or, or you, you know, I was white and you were black. Or, you know, like you said, I was a heterosexual white guy and you were Chinese. Nobody got special treatment back then. It was hardcore partying and fighting. And it didn't matter if you were yellow, purple, green, or blue. Everybody was treated equal. Nowadays, you know, I'm sorry. You guys could talk. I'm sorry, but oh that wasn't going on when we were growing up. I feel like this world has become so fragile. You got to watch what you say now. Anywhere you go, like Scotty just said, I don't want all these comments to be negative because I brought up the LGBTQ. I have nothing against them. They're wonderful. They're wonderful people. They don't bother me. But the government's making this world so diverse that I would be afraid to go out now. Yeah. People are bringing guns. It's the new thing to go shoot a place up. We never had that. We didn't grow up like that. Right. I feel like, so I feel like back in the day when we saw like those different types of people, like the trans, the drag shows, a lot of that was strictly for entertainment. Yeah, people believed in that and that's what they wanted to do. Cool, yep. man. You know, I hung out with a lot of those people back when I used to go out. Me in the too. And it, and it was the best time. They they were the best party. But funny, now they're funny. But right. They but now I feel like everybody gets so caught up in their feelings now instead of reality. Like exactly. their feelings and reality are two totally different things, man. Like, but you what? Can't say anything, man. What anything. happened between that? Like, what you could have said anything exactly. You could have fucking called them any name and they would have laughed at you and said, fuck you, you, you know, you dick. Or They were fun and they're fun right. people to go out with. He's right. in Atlantic City. Atlantic City were, has a lot of mixed people. Atlantic City, where Scott went out, but New York was mixed. And there was never a problem said about someone. Nobody never got in, not got in by the color of their skin. Everybody was treated equal. And we fought a lot. That was it. And we did a lot of drugs. And we drank a lot of fucking liquor and beer. 
that I don't know what happened from when we started going out till now. All these kids thinking they're so political and they'll argue with you till they're blue in the face. And you have to watch what you say about her. And she goes by him and him. She goes by her. She, her. And he goes by he, him. You know, bro, just relax. Let it flow. Let him tell me. Yeah. I'm not trying to have no disrespect. It's just I'm confused. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I even even say, like, I don't even know if I'd want to be the age I was this day and age. Like, I'm so happy that I experienced that 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, because now, man, like, I don't know how I'll be able to handle it. Like, I don't know if I would be able to forget about, like, LGBTQ in general, though. Just in general, having that that fucking one white boy who thinks who the hell he is running the club and bumps into me and you and says something to us, we're going to hit him and we're going to get locked up. (laughs) Not the same where the bouncer used to be like, bro, get the fuck out in the back. The bouncers that knew us. We'd crack one in the face and we'd get put out the back and the cops would have never found us. Nowadays, they'll hold you right there. You pushed him. You're getting arrested. What the fuck, man? I I would not go out. Yep. Nowadays, no way. Everybody's afraid to catch a beating nowadays, too. You know what I mean? Back then, if you got into a fight, it was with these, man. Like, we never pulled weapons. Now, people will kill for nothing now, man. It's not even worth it, you know? And horror stories, bro. I don't even like to watch the news. People are killing each other over a fucking parking spot. Right. Some guy fucking gutted up a girl for road rage. How mad could you be? How bad is your life that you stabbed this fucking broad over a parking spot? Are you kidding me? It just didn't go on. Good fellas. Then they weren't wise guys aren't like that. First off, I'm not a wise guy. I'm not claiming to be one. I'm not saying I don't know any. They're very quiet guys. They're not going around the club. They're not, they don't want to be seen. They own the clubs. Quiet guys. Exactly. They own the fucking clubs. They want to be very quiet and discreet. They don't walk around like tough guys. But if you fuck with one of them, something's going to happen to you. And it's not going to be good. And these white boys now, they don't know how to act. So if they catch, you, I'm suing. It's the first thing they say. It's funny you say that because uh, saying as when I was growing up, when you walk into a room, always be quiet, but always walk with a big stick, which means Hell yeah. you know what you're capable of doing, but you don't need to. You don't need let to prove. Everybody know, you know. Yeah. I always said, I always said, you you get you you know when you know when you're important when you walk into a room and you no longer need an introduction. Exactly. Scott, hey, amen to that. When everybody knows you in that room and you don't need an introduction, I think that's success right there. I love that. When When you walk into a room and people know who you are, man, and it's like out of a fucking movie, you don't have to say anything more. Anything, nothing more is to be said. People know who you are. They know what you're capable of. And they treat you with respect and you go out and enjoy your night and you go home. Now, a lot of broads are causing fights. So, because she'll get drunk and go and fucking talk to my best friend when I'm in the bathroom. 
like Perfect. there's no loyalty anymore with with going out with guys nowadays. Like I'll go to the bathroom and it happened to me. He's calling me a fucking dick to. to this was a while ago, but I'm just saying. He's telling, "What are you doing with him? What do you, what do you mean? What is she doing with me?" After when I go to the bathroom and then and then you come out and you're like my best friend. I feel like people, the loyalty just went out the window. I don't have any friends anymore now. To be honest with you, I don't. I go to the gym, I come home, and I go on TikTok and I do my podcast. Do you really hang out with anyone? And your cook. I was just gonna God. say, I, I don't have many friends. I don't the have. Older I got, yeah. The older I got, I, I realized the importance of that because people just want to take, 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 and they That's don't want to ever give, give, give. And I learned through life the, the the successful people are the people that give and don't take. You know. Yeah. Everybody's always out for something, man. And like <clears throat> the loyalty, like you said, is not there anymore. I don't it's talk not, to many people. I can count on my hands how many people I talk to on a daily basis. Me too. When you learn getting older, me too. Guys were buying houses. But one thing that sticks in my head is I was at the living room. There was It's this swingers club. and the, Bro, the swingers are nasty. You think they're really groovy people and about peace? Bro, I got fucking choked out. I almost died at the fucking living room. I went there fucking twice. And Did, the, you and the Did you have clothes on? Did you have clothes on? Yeah. You it's club. So what you do is you meet at the club and then there's a hotel around the corner. So they give you specials for rooms at the hotels. But like a dick, I went alone. So the one night was rap night. So you know who was there. I walk out. Bro, my fucking mother's in the car picking me up. I was ossified. This guy with dreadlocks is standing on the curb. This kid that was looking at me all day, he goes to me, go home. And it's right around the corner from my house. I said, fuck you, go home. I'm going home. I said, I'm with my fucking mother. Don't you think two seconds later, this guy with dreadlocks runs in and grabs my chains. My chains didn't break. So I fucking caught the door and got out of the window. I'm fighting six black guys. My mother's fighting two black girls. I get, I'm fighting them. The bouncer, the bouncer told the police, I don't know what that guy was on, but he was winning against six black guys until he got hit in the head with a Hennessy bottle. They hit me in the back of the head with a Hennessy bottle and I was done. Then they said this car stolen and there's a lot of drugs in there. My mother had a knot, but my mom at the end, she goes, when I'm in the hospital, they rushed me to the hospital. I went to St. Joseph's. You could look it up. I was about 26. 26-year-old man gets jumped at the living room in Beth Page, New York. It was on the news. So just to see, my mom's a fucking savage. She goes, Ann, I got your chains in the hospital. Just fucking coming from an Italian family. I love that. What mother would fucking get out and fight? Sicilian and everybody who's who's Italian hates Sicilians. I love my fucking mother. She got out and fought. My mother's all of a hundred and fucking forty pounds, fighting for a son. Italians are like this, bro. I love our culture. I love where we came from. But that that's one of my horrible. Tubs. I've got too many fights, bro. 
I haven't lost many, but I've always gotten jumped. Nobody ever gave me a fair one. And everybody out there in Wontor, New York, Levittown, New York, it's Anthony Valone speaking. I've been in many fights, and you could put in the comments if I'm lying or not. The only time I ever lost a fight is if I got jumped. I never lost a one-on-one -on -one fight. They've been very close. I've never lost a fucking fight. But now you can't fight anymore because you go right to jail. I got four assault charges. One more, I'm, I'm done. So that's, why, that's another reason why I don't go out. Someone will fuck with you. They see all my tattoos. They want to see how tough they are. So they start talking shit. We get into a fight. He gets beat up and I get arrested. How does that work? And then you find out his, his father's the fucking chief of, of the police. That's the last fight I ever got in. I don't know if you guys have stories you want to tell. But it's a lot different nowadays, the club scene. Yeah, I mean, I think back then it was just like, we were so, like, I would say 80% of, like, the people that we came up with are kind of living like us right now. Like, I mean, I would say 80% of the people that came up with us are like us now. They burn themselves so out of, you know, getting high and getting drunk and stuff like that. They just just go through life now and um, they live, like, soberly kind of. And like you said, like, even one beer makes them sick because, you know, you get all that toxics out of your body. I'd say the other 10% are dead maybe 5% in jail and the other 5% are still doing it. But like, you know, I think back then we were just out for, you know, like people were more into interacting with one another. So like, I don't want to say like people were, I don't want to say like people were like whores or anything like that, but like people were out to like have sexual yeah, interaction, like, more sexual yeah. interaction with one another. Um, I believe people were like into one another. Now people are a lot more cautious about that. I think, like, people, like, there's no such thing as, like, one-night stands as much unless you go on, like, Tinder or, like, one of those apps or something. But yeah. I think, like, people were just more into, like, going out and, like, meeting new people and, like, interacting with them maybe in a sexual way or dating them or, or like, getting their number and stuff like that. And um, um, I think, like, the other end of it was people were just out to get high. Like, we people didn't care about, like, being offended or getting, like... Getting it, getting, uh, getting offended because you called somebody something. People were, they were just worried about where am I going to get my next bump? Where am I going to get, you know, where am I? How can, how can I keep chasing this high? Um, I'm not worried about that guy stepped on my, you know, stepped on my, uh, my shoes that I just paid three hundred dollars for. Like, fuck the shoes. I want to get high, you know, or I want to get more drunk. Like, or I want to hook up with that girl at the end of the bar or whatever you're into. Um, but like, you know, Aunt, you were talking earlier about. Um, you know, you wish that, like, your dad hung on to the bar, like, a little longer and stuff like that. But, like, I can tell you from, like, relatively speaking, like, Andrew was around for my uh, my first venture when I had my, my corner bar. And uh, it was, like, a short-lived dream. It was, like, I think it lasted, like, eight months because all it was was a party house. All my friends came there, and we had DJs. In the state of Pennsylvania, you shut down at 2 a.m. Well, those rules didn't exist. We had a DJ playing that played house music, we would stay open till the birds were chirping or whatever. I mean, we'd lock the door, but, and people would come and knock on the door. And I mean, that's the reason why we didn't last in business because like, it's not really illegal if you're not exchanging money and everybody was so fucked up that there was not even any money interacting. Like, it's not like I had an after hours club and I was like charging people. Like it was just a giant party after 2 AM and the people that were there 
would call people that left other bars. And then before you know it, like the bar's busier after hours than it was during hours. And there's no money being exchanged. It's just like a big free for all, but everybody's high. Everybody's drunk. Everybody's having a good time, but it was at my expense. But the way I was partying back there and leading up to after that, up to my point of sobriety three and a half years ago, if I still had a bar now, I'm glad it, I'm glad I didn't run a legitimate, um, cause I had a bar after that too, but I'm glad I didn't run things legitimately and like successfully because if I was still living that life now at 37, I was acting like that back when I was 26. I was 26 when I had my first bar. There's no way I'd be sitting here talking to you guys right now. I'd probably be either dead in jail or on the verge of some severe health consequences because like there's no way a body can sustain the amount of damage I was doing to myself on a weekly basis. There's no way that a body can handle that. For a long period of time. Dude, and I, I get exactly where you're coming from. When I had calamities, I had a big black guy who was a bouncer, but he had a lot of drug charges, so the cops didn't like that. And they would come and fuck with us because we did exactly what you just said. We'd all be in the kitchen doing bumps. And after the bar shut down, we'd close the door, but the fucking cops would just come in the bar. And bust balls. I heard there was a fight here. There's like two guys sitting at the bar. I don't know. Bro, it got to the point I was so paranoid. The cops. My my house was here. And you had to walk a block. One block over and the bar was on the corner. Calamities. That's how close I was. I got so paranoid from doing coke. I thought the cops were like following me and they had a sting on me. And this guy with a fucking black goatee and a bald teddy was about 5'4". Bro, every bar I went to when I owned this bar, he was there. <laughs> Behind me, I swear to God. They, dude, he was fucking there. I'm like, dude, why are you following me? I could have sworn to God. That, bro, I was doing so much. This fucking guy, he might still live in Wato. I don't know who he was. His name was Paul. I think he was a fucking cop, man. I think they had a fucking... I think they were following me. I really do. Oh, man. It's the worst, yeah, I was fucked up, bro. Everybody says I'm... What's his... I'm good fellas. Because I'm always bugging out. Still to this day, I think Coke did, like, long-term damage to me. Because I'm always paranoid. Bro, but I'm not paranoid. I'm cautious. I always Where? look who's around me, because you have to be. I mean, I'm not just, bro, I'm a fucking nobody. Let's let's just put that straight. I'm a nobody. I don't think I'm a somebody. And, and back to the fighting, there's always someone out there tougher than you. I just want the audience to know. I'm not fucking the toughest guy in the world. There's always someone out there that'll beat your fucking head in. I'm just saying, from what Scott was saying, if I continue to do all those drugs... Like, I got a couple of friends that are, like, mutes now. Like, they just stay in their room all day. They're scared to go outside. They have, like, serious effects. They're on Xanax for anxiety. They, they're they all fucked up. And I'm, I'm so glad I got that bar out of the way and started doing good and making legit money. Because I started getting fucking paranoid, man. It was fucked up. It was, it was really fucked up. Now I'm 33 years old and I own a business I'm on here with you guys. I feel good about myself. I'm still cautious. I still don't go outside and not have a fucking care in the world. I'm still looking in my rearview mirror as always. You always got to do that. 
But it's just, it was different back then, man. I think they had fucking something on me. And thank God I cleaned up my sh That guy fucking wiped out the bar with the TVs, and that was my last day. Because they, you know, just if they think you're selling drugs out of a bar, the cops are going to fuck with you. I don't have to tell you guys that. Yeah, there's nothing worse than walking on eggshells, too, man. Oh, you know, man. Now, I... that, now that I'm not doing the same shit either, man, like, my conscience, like, when so I go much to bed better. at night, I put my head on that pillow, man, and I got that peace of mind. Before, I mean, I, there's been times where I was at my apartment, man, I thought the cops were on the freaking roof of my house, my back's to the door with a gun, like, just Rude. waiting to fucking unload, man. Dude, dude, it's in, who knows what the fuck they were putting in that shit. And like Scott said, half, God bless George, one of my good friends. He had a daughter. He, he just passed away. Half, I got Sal, George, Mike, Lou, Matt Malone, Matt Maloney, uh, Frankie Cohen. I got fucking eight, eight, eight of my friends. They're all dead. They all died, man. They all OD'd. When we were growing up, heroin wasn't a big thing. Now everyone's shooting dope. Like we never did that. I I never fucking did that. I, never I did that. Fucking. Man, you know, when I'm a kid now, and granted, if you want to tell like a 21 year old, you're like, "Yo, bro, you got any special K?" Be like, "No, man. Uh, what cereal? Cereal? Yeah. <laughs> What's the fucking that? dude? It, it's fucking so weird. <laughs> the times changed. Like, I see. If you ever go on TikTok or YouTube and go to like Philly. This guy, he cameras, like, the parts of Philly. They're living in tents. They're fucking dope heads everywhere. Kensington. It's in Kensington. Kensington. yes. Bro, it's bad. I've been down Bro, there. it's <laughs> fucking walking dead. Zombie we land, they call that. it. Zombie land. Terrible. Bro, it's insane. Some of these people have so much potential. But they're caught up with these fucking with the and all these dope dealers. They're making a killing, ruining people's lives. I mean, we were friends with coke dealers. You did a little coke, you were paranoid the next day, but you could still go to work. Like they're demolishing these people. They're getting them high on fucking heroin. It's it's and fentanyl. People are dropping like flies. We're the dead generation. Even our parents. People didn't fuck with heroin like that. My dad's like, what's going on? People are dying like flies. 32 years old, 24, 25, 18 from shooting dope. We weren't around that. I didn't know anyone that did that. No, everybody was doing coke. That was it. The, I don't know. We were doing, the only reason I can say that we probably got into doing coke, I mean, I can say that, you know... I'm not going to incriminate myself and admit to anything I didn't, do, I did, I did, but like, anytime there was drugs involved, like club drugs like that, like coke, ecstasy, GHB, any of that. The only reason I did any anything, I'm not going to specify. The only reason I ever did anything or any of that stuff was just because it brought girls around. Yeah. Listen, if you had that shit, the girls wanted to come and party with you. That was it. And you stay up all night and you do what you do. I'm not going to incriminate myself either. I never sold anything. I just bought it from personal use. And as we got older, chicks weren't into that shit anymore. I would get phone calls like, yo, you know anyone that has anything? I was like, what? 
fucking, you know. No, they were like, I'm looking for dope. I'm like, I fucking don't ever call me again. I'm sorry, I can't help you in that department. And then I sort of just graduated. And then, like, I met Molly and we opened up a clothing company. I'm like, I'm done with this shit. I'm leaving this shit back. I ain't trying to be addicted to no fucking fentanyl or heroin or nothing like that. I'm done. And and now we're sitting here talking to each other and I feel blessed. Like, I feel blessed I met Scott. And I feel blessed I met you today. Like Scott said, if we kept going, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you guys. I got a half a million followers on TikTok. I mean, I did something right, right? Yeah. I had to have done something. None of us would be here. We'd be... Probably tomorrow morning, spending a whole day peeking out our shades, seeing Bro, I outside go, waiting for us. I, I go see my friend, and I'm not going to mention any names, but he's he's all fucked up. He doesn't do drugs. He can't. He sits home. He takes his medication. And he's fucking, he's got PTSD, man. He doesn't leave his house. I try to do stuff with him, but there's only so much I could do. You got You got to want to do it. People think I'm a psycho when I tell them this, but, like, I know you guys can both relate, like, because you guys, you know, were cut from the same cloth. We we all experienced it until we're out here talking about it. Like, they don't understand, like, how mentally, like, that stuff, everything, like, the drugs, the alcohol, the, like, whatever forces you to a blackout state. Like, I got so bad to a point, at one point, like, I was so bad at one point. I used to bring somebody out with me that I knew wouldn't be getting jacked up because I was already starting to get to the point where I was hanging out with a crew that was doing the same stuff as me. So, like, the next morning I'd wake up. It was, like, one minute, like, we'd be sitting there talking in the club, like me and Andrew talking right now, and it was like a flash. And I'd wake up and I'd be somewhere I didn't recognize, and it was my it was my house, but I'd be yeah. in some room that I never normally sleep in. And I'd be like, now I'm replaying the tape. I'm like, wait a minute, a second ago I was just talking to Andrew. Where did I go? How did I get here? What's going on? Now I'm looking out the shades. I'm like, cops here? I feel like the cops are here. And like, you you like that blackout paranoia. Like, so I literally would start hanging out with people that I knew wouldn't get messed up so immediately. Because if not, it would would ruin my whole day. Like the next day, I literally be hiding in the house, convincing myself I did the worst of the worst. Like, I killed somebody. I did this. I did that. And I'd be all paranoid. I'd start getting sick over it. I'd start getting anxious which would in yep. turn make me want to start getting messed up again. So I'd be looking for booze in the house. I'd be starting drinking again just to calm my nerves down. But really, I was putting gas. I was trying to put out a fire with gasoline, which was the worst thing you could do, is start doing more substances to try and come down off of substances. And yep. I, I literally have to keep those people around me. I call and I'd be like, yo, how did I get home? Where, uh, what did I do last night? Did I do anything? I'm like, I'm like on Google looking at, for newspaper articles like, Man killed someone in a nightclub last night, or man, like I literally I have would have myself convinced. I cut you off right there, bro. Me and you were to the fucking T, bro. I used to do what you just said was me. The only thing you didn't say was I used to go out and realized I drove home and looked for blood on the on the front of my car. Well, I was getting to that next. <laughs> I. Keep going. As soon but as that person told me on the phone, you drove home last night. I was outside looking at the car, inspecting it, looking in the wheel well. I was I was googling googling the newspaper, hit and runs. I was looking for everything just to calm my nerves Bro, down. I At least can't try to go home. I would get the closest hotel room. <laughs> Never. Bro, yeah. What? 
worst thing somebody could have fucking said to me, man, do you know what you did last night? My, I would drop the phone and go into a fucking panic rage. I'd be like, what? They would be like, dude, you were fucking so out of control. There was no talking to you. You shut down that whole bar. I was like, did I get arrested? Did I fucking hit anyone? Did they go to the hospital? Are they, are they dead? Are they alive? He was like, my boy was like, no, you were good. But you were just acting like a fucking maniac, bro. You got to tighten up. Bro, that's the worst news you could fucking hear. I love waking up now, having my coffee, reading the paper. I'm like an old man. I'm 33. But we did it so young. Scott, you just brought back so many fucking memories of what you just said, man. The worst phone call you could get. Do you know how you were acting last night? And you don't remember a fucking... You remember bits and pieces of it. That's the most... That's a horrible feeling, bro. I'll share I'll share a story in relation to that because like there's some stories I'll talk about on this show. There's some I won't because there's certain things that we've all gotten away with that like and like I, I like you know like it's minor stuff. It's stuff that you wouldn't get in major trouble for. But like there's just some stuff I'm not gonna talk about. But one thing I will talk about because it was so long ago that this was over ten years ago. But it relates to the topic that we're talking about and. You'll have your people that'll be like, oh, this is a bullshit story. And, like, sometimes people don't understand how wild we actually lived. There's sometimes that I'll actually have to downplay stories just to make people believe them because they're like, no way that really happened. I'm like, I'm telling you, I have nothing to gain or lose by telling the story. And so, like, perfect example, you know, was something like I shut my dad's, my dad's bar down. I was a bartender, bar manager, and, you know, I started getting self-conscious about the whole driving thing. So, like, I knew if I started drinking and doing stuff, you know, like, I knew where it was going to take me. I knew it wasn't going to be one drink after work and I was going home. So, like, I remember I started drinking and I was, like, you know, doing stuff at the end of the night. And um, it was just me at the bar. And this is how, like, sad it was at the end. Like, like this is going back over 10 years ago. But this is how sad, like, times have got. Like, times got. Like, here's me, like, getting to blackout states by myself. So... I would literally purposely, I'd get to a point where I'd start drinking and I'd say to myself, I'm going to hide these keys somewhere on purpose, write a note somewhere and put it in my pocket. I would purposely hide my keys and I would get so messed up and intoxicated, I couldn't drive my car because I wouldn't know where the keys were. And like, this is all, this is all real, like real shit. So I go and apparently I must have called a cab or something like, cause I didn't have, I didn't have uh, my keys. So I ended up leaving the bar or whatever. And then the next day I woke up and I had like that fogginess. Like you knew you didn't like, I knew deep down in my gut. I didn't remember a thing. I remember being at the restaurant and then that in the bar and that was it. That's all I remembered. But I knew when I woke up the next day and I looked at my ceiling, I'm like, I remember just being at the bar. Like, okay, so I probably left the bar at like two, 3 a.m. But this was probably about like noon or one o'clock in the afternoon the next day, but it felt like it was just a couple seconds ago. Yeah, so much and, time. And I said, like, I said, like, I know deep down in my gut, I know that I did not just come right home uh, in that cab. Like, I remember bits and pieces of the cab ride, and I'm like, I do not remember that cab ride home last night. So. And then I just kept forcing myself to believe, no, 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 you, you're, you woke up at home, you got no bruises on your knuckles, nothing happened, you're, you're, you're good, you're good. 
So later on that day, I went to work. It was like 5 o'clock, and my dad's like, and we live in a small town. He's like, what the fuck did you do last night? And now, like you said, your hard drops. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? He's like, he's like, I got this note here to call the taxi company that picked you up last night. And I was like, he's like, you want me to deal with it or are you going to deal with it? I go, no, 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 give me your phone. I'll deal with it. So I go outside. And now I'm like petrified to even call this number. I so know. I, I call the taxi number and I pretend I'm my father. I'm like, hey, this is so-and-so. Um, I was told, I, you know, I was at my restaurant. They said that you left a number, um, you know, uh, to uh, to call me. And he goes, yeah. He's like, this is actually not the cab company. This is actually the driver. And and he's like, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, what's up? And I'm like, he's like, um, I picked up your son here last night, and um, you know, he was he was there's there there was something wrong with him. He was on a lot of stuff. And he's like, he just he, you know, he was he was hi- he was hopped up on stuff, and. Um, and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, and what? And so, uh, what? I was like, he's here. And he's he's at work now. And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, I gave him a ride home last night, but you know, he didn't even know where he lived. He's like, he's telling me to take him here, take him there, take him, take him there. And he goes, eventually, I goes, I just dropped him off in this vicinity, and like the vicinity he told me he dropped me off in was nowhere near my house. So he's like, but. He's like, the problem that occurred was, he's like, I didn't want to get your kid in trouble or anything like that. But he's like, after he got frustrated because he didn't know where he lived, he goes, he punched me in the face. So I punched the cab driver in the face, apparently. And he's like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. My kid, you know, he's got issues or something wrong with him and stuff like that. I tried downplaying it. It's funny now, but it wasn't then. No, it is. No, it's not funny then. Here's so I was like I was like please don't I was like please don't like call the cops and press assault charges on him and stuff like <laughs> no, that and he's like he's like no no it's all good he gave me his three hundred dollar affliction jacket I had like a white leather affliction jacket on so I guess I gave him the leather jacket because he said he was gonna call the cops so I was sane enough to barter a deal when I Probably, was fucked yeah, up after I punched the cab driver in the face that you would but, yeah. but so it gets better so I'm like so you said you dropped him off where. And he said, like, he said, like, an area that was like three miles from my house. So now I'm thinking, wait a minute. So I punched this cab driver. So, so I, I settled that problem. I settled that problem. I, the cab driver established, he pun- I punched him in the face. I gave him the jacket. And he left me in, like, some yard. So in that borough, I knew a cop in that borough. And I called him up immediately. I'm like, bro, I'm like, was there any calls last night or anything? He goes, are you kidding me? I was like, no, I was like, was there any calls for, like, any, like, buddy, like, wandering well, around up in the thing? He goes, the cops gave you a ride home last night. I go, you got to be kidding me. God, I go, no. you got to be kidding me. He goes, yeah, he's like, you were just chilling in somebody's front yard, and you were just <laughs> sitting there out of your mind. And he goes, the cops did you a favor, and they looked at your license, and they, they dropped you off of your house. That's how you got home last night. I'm like, so, like, now I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, and, like, here's how sick I was. I'm thinking in my head, like, Oh, I'm good. Like I don't have a problem. But then, in another aspect, I drank by myself, got blacked out. I punched a cab driver in the face. I lost a three hundred dollar leather jacket over it, and the cops gave me a ride home. And I'm still walking around. I'm like, Bro. how is this even fucking possible? And that was like, and that was like on a Wednesday night. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, and like, there's gonna be a lot of people out there to be like, there's no way that happened. And I mean, it really did. Oh, I, I mean, believe. Like, I believe it. Like. And you think back, what the fuck made me punch this poor guy in the face? Like, what could he have said? 
right? That I was that man. You don't know what they're putting in these drugs. So what the fuck would, like, I've hit people before. And I was like, why the fuck did I hit him? Or like, I would be like pissed drunk. And I would tell a taxi cab to drop me off and just dip. And just hop a fence and go to my house. I mean, and but the the thing was, I always went back because I fucking believe what comes around goes around, bro. And I always, and it was always the short guy with glasses. He had a spike top haircut. I used to pay him the next day, and he's like, "Aunt, listen, I'm not driving you no more, bro. I'm sorry. You're getting very violent in the car." I'm like, "Dude, this has to stop." And my mom said to me one day, she's like, "Aunt, listen." I, I, I want to tell you guys a quick story. My sister graduated with this guy. He was the valedictorian. He fucking got drunk one night. Two stories quick. One guy, I'm not going to say any names, got drunk, drove home, crashed into a car, killed a person. 25 years up the road. Another guy, drinking, boozing in the bar, gets into a fight, knocks this fucking guy out. The guy hits his head on the curb, dies, manslaughter, 25 years. Bro, I'm so thankful for sitting here right now that I was never in a really big fucking fight. I mean, I cracked people's heads open when I fought. We all did. We all of our friends used to fight. I used to hit people, but so much shit could have happened, and it didn't. And that's why I thank God that I'm here today. Even overdosing on drugs, bro. Even overdosing. When we're drinking and doing coke and coke's bringing our heart up and the alcohol's bringing it down here and us not having a heart attack. Like, we're here for a reason. I believe that we survived all that shit and got it out of the way. Well, bro, bro- I start now. Well, that, that leads me to my next story. It's funny you should talk about that because I'll, I'll tell one more story and then I'm not incriminating myself no more. Yeah, me so either. Like, and this was also like this was also like eight years ago. So like, me and my brother get this idea to take our our two girlfriends um, to uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, and uh, we go down there. He's like, "Yeah, let's go down for two nights." I'm like, "All right." So we get down there right real early. He's like an early bird guy. He's like, and he ain't like me. He's the complete opposite, and um. We get to the first bar. It's like noon. He's like, they're like, oh, what are you drinking? The one girl's like, I'll have a frozen drink. The other girl's like, I'll have a mixed drink. My brother's like, give me, give me a beer. And I'm like, give me a triple, give me, give me a oh. triple gray goose and give me a shot of a hundred proof, whatever. And he's like, he goes, early, bro. Hey, I didn't even get the drink up to my lips. He fucking left. And I text him. I'm like, where'd you go? He goes, I ain't being around you all day, no fucking way. (laughs) So he goes, I know where this is going to go. So sure enough, he was right. And like, I hung in there, you know, that was at noon. And uh, like I said, like snap of the fingers, like the day was going good. And then like, all of a sudden it's like, look up, it's the ceiling next day. It's like, just like the movie, The Hangover. I don't mean. It's like, what the fuck happened last night? Yeah. I wake up, I, I, I. I tapped the girl. I tapped. The, I tapped my girlfriend next to me. I'm like, I'm like, she's like, oh hey, what's up? I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, I'm like, what no. happened? I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Well, I, she used to hate when I'd say that. Like, I'd be like, I'm like, what I do last night? And she, and she, if you're like, oh, I don't even want to talk about it, Scott. You were a dick. Oh my and like, god. But like, oh. 
So so I says I, I says um I said so I, I I brought it in a different way this time. I was like I was like, you know, I had this dream last night. <laughs> Manipulating the situation. I'm like I'm like I had this dream last night that I was in this bar on the boardwalk and it was this long bar and I'm like I want to say like I can't remember because they say you only remember seventy five percent of your dreams. Now apparently I was real fucked up last night. I was like, I had this dream that like I might have gotten into an altercation. She's like. Oh no, that really happened. I said, "What?" I said, "What do you mean it really happened?" What happened? Give me the details. So she's like, "As so I was like, she's like, oh yeah, like a block away from here, there's this bar, and she gave me the name of the bar." She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "These old Guidos, they were like in their fifties." She's like, "The guys there had their gold chains out, and they were like, you know, they were just sitting there." And she's like, "You had your back to them, and I was facing you." And she's like. There was a shot put in front of you, and I turned and I did the shot, and it was that Louis the Ninth or whatever they call it. It's like fifty dollars a shot. So, I guess the guy that was behind me with his three buddies was buying it for her, and when I did it, he's like, he gave me a shove, and he's like, "Yo, oh. dickhead!" That was, he's like, like, and this is her telling me the story. I don't now she's telling me this whole story. I don't remember. You don't remember a thing. No. Yeah. So she's like, he pushed you, and he's like. Yo, dickhead, that was for the girl. And, like, he pointed at her, and she said, as soon as he said that, I, like, I picked him up underneath his armpits, and I threw him through a table. Now, like, and then she said, the other guy, like, came at me, and I punched him in the face, and then the bouncer, she's like, I just seen you in the air, and the bouncers were just taking you out. So I'm like, wait a minute. So then I, like, I was like, so then what, we go back to the hotel? She's like, oh, no, we went to, like, three other clubs after that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, how many more? She's like, oh yeah. And she's like, and she's like, you got so paranoid after you did it. She's like, you threw your shirt in the garbage can on your way up the street to the next club, and they let you in with a wife beater on. I'm like, come on. I'm like, come on. So, so then like, but then like the whole day, like I was so paranoid and thinking to myself, like, what if it when I threw the- that guy through the table, what if he hit his head? Like, yeah. what if he had a contusion on his head? What if he like, what if he went home that night and died in his sleep? Like what? Like so they're like. What do I do? I'm on Google. Did anybody die? Did anybody die last night in Wildwood, New Jersey? Are they looking for anybody that meets my description? And and like and you know like it was a, and like it wasn't even an enjoy. And I look back at it now, and it's like that wasn't even an enjoyable way to live. Like the next day, I was all paranoid. I remember sitting in Maurice Pier Water Park, and I'm sitting there, with, and I'm just like staring into space, thinking like. I'm going to go to jail for manslaughter. Like, I, I might have killed somebody last Bro, night. And she's tapping you, what's wrong? And you're just like, I'm fucking paranoid. My whole, the whole trip's ruined because I had to act like a dick. I, you know how many times I've been in that position, bro? So many times. I got sick of it. I'm like, I'm going to fucking start to take my life over, man. I can't keep blacking out, not knowing what happened. This is going to kill me. Or, or something's going to happen. Like, you're lucky. You're totally lucky that guy didn't fucking break his neck when you threw him through that table. Right. You would have been locked up probably still. In but Jersey, that thought, knock on wood, nothing of that happened to us. Everybody's okay. Some people might still think we're scumbags now. But listen, we changed our lives. We're here for a reason. I know we're here for a reason. We made it to 33. People died in the 25 club, the 28 club. Fucking people didn't even make it past 18. So all the shit we did, there's a purpose. We're still here and not dead or in jail. 
That's how I think of it. Ange, I don't know if, if you want to tell a story, brother. I don't want to keep talking. No, I mean, Similar story. Like we used to, you guys are talking about like fighting a lot. Anytime we used to go out, I didn't even want to do the fighting because I didn't want that to get in the way of my good time with the party, man. Like You were different. I mean, every, not bad. Every you time were, I used to go out. You were a little more mature. I just wanted to get it in, man. That was it. Yeah. Like, so I used to work like a lot. Like I worked like 70, 80, 90 hour weeks with my dad. So every like opportunity I felt like I went out, I felt like I had a chance to get out of the cage, man. I totally yeah. agree. But you also, and you also had something to lose. That's why you didn't fight so much because you worked and you made a lot of money with your pops and you knew you had a business. Like me and him, we were fucking around. Like you had something established. Like, I feel like you started a little before us. Right. Like, you had responsibilities. So you knew if I hit this guy, he'll take my father's whole company. Like, right. is that kind of what you were thinking? Well, I always, said, of? I always said when I went out, like, I'm not a tough guy by any means. So yeah. I never really, like, got involved with anybody. But if I had to fight, I could defend myself. And yeah, I'm not, of course. I ain't doing it. I'm not what doing I'm it the fair I'm fucking smashing a bottle over your head. So exactly. I was scared. Like, when I saw Red... That was it. Like and you're I a quiet guy. Snapped. Watch out for the quiet guy. So I tried to stay away from that. You know what I mean? So, but uh, you were also working 80, 90 hours a fucking week, bro. We weren't. Yeah, I started young. You, you were getting work, it in, man. but you started young, and you know you probably got a boatload of fucking money now. Good for you, man. But you know it's it was everybody was different. I feel like me and Scott. We had that bad, just irresponsible, didn't know our own strength, and we're here for a reason. And I think you're still here for a reason, bro. Let me pause you on that. Like, so I wasn't always like that. I mean, I, me I, 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 got, yeah. I got, I got like that really bad. I got really bad, like. When I got the phone call when I was 26 and my mom was 48 and I found out my mom passed away unexpectedly. Then like I mixed substances in with that, fill in that void. And I had that like, cause I'm not really an emotional type of guy a lot. Like, like my daughter's mother, she calls me a sociopath all the time. And she's like, you're a sociopath. And I'm like, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you might be right though. Cause I, I really don't like, I, I have a, con I think I have a conscience, but like, there's sometimes like something that would make somebody really upset. Like I just like, yeah, whatever. You know, I think it's just because I've been through so much and like nothing yeah. phases me anymore. I'm kind of like, I don't get like if something really good happens to me, I actually like as sick as it sounds, like when good things start coming my way, I actually get nervous because I'm so, I'm so afraid that it's either going to get taken away from me fast or like, it's not, I, I try and appreciate it, but it's hard. Like, so like I'm kind of like emotionless sometimes. Like, I'm not like I don't get when I something good happens I don't get over happy when something sad happens I don't get over emotional about it like if I you know what I mean like yeah so, um the story I was trying to get at was that like um people out there that if you're going through something like if you, somebody close to you passes away or if you're going through that bad breakup or something that's going through your, your, you just lost that career landing job that you had for five years and you wake, you go into work tomorrow and they tell you it's gone. Do not try and fill in that gap with substances or alcohol because 
it's just a disastrous combination. Like it's the worst. I um, I was stupid enough. One more story, and then that's it for tonight for the stories from from my end. Like about two months, I think, or three months after my mom passed away, I went on a cruise with my um my girlfriend's family, and that was the biggest mistake ever. It was all you can drink and whatever. And uh, I got in a fight with three guys the first night on the cruise, and it was it was bad. It was I so, yeah. The way I tell you stories are funny. I'm not well, laughing. So some Jewish. Well, I was with her brother, and like poor kid, he got punched in the face first uh, over it, and he's oh. not like really a fighter. And he he yeah. got he got punched in the face over me, and then I got sucker punched, and then I ended up tackling a guy in the elevator, and it was it was just a bad situation all over because I just like I was in such like inner I, my head just wasn't right so i shouldn't have been yeah. fueling it with like drugs or alcohol and like some poor kid innocent bystander he's just staring at me he probably i thought he was staring at me but he probably wasn't and he was like a jewish kid from new york and i'm like the fuck you looking at seinfeld and his fucking brother came and cracked me on the side of the face oh. and then we started rumbling and it was like it was on after that and all because i called some jewish kid seinfeld you know Bro, I mean? let's leave it at Fucking alcohol is only going to make you act out. It, it's not going to make anything better, like you said. It's going to bring your inner emotions out. The ones that you're hiding and you're yeah. trying to hold back, it's going to it's gonna release them. And it's not going to be good because you're holding back all that resentment, that anger, that frustration, that upsetness. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, I would feel weak crying in front of people. So, like, at my mother's wake, I didn't cry one tear. I wanted to. But I was strong enough to hold it back. I held it back so bad that it actually was burning my throat. Yeah. That's, that's. I mean, I know you've probably been there before. And I know right. a lot of people that have probably been there. And I, I held it back. And that was probably the worst thing I could have did. Because that time is meant for you to, you know, release your emotions, say your final goodbyes and all that. And by holding that shit in, like, I did that same shit when my parents went through a divorce when I was 13. And that was at a critical time in my life. And um, I held a lot of those emotions in and, uh, you know, didn't want to, like, cry in front of my little brother and cry in front of people because I thought it was going to make me a strong guy. But in turn, like, there was times, like, I got so fucked up that I would start crying for no reason. I think that was the years of those hidden emotions. They were starting to come out when I got older. Yeah. It definitely was. I almost slipped up. Like, not even a year ago, my German Shepherd got out. The guy doing work on my house I fucking I always take my truck and I walked and she followed me across the street and she got hit by a car guys are like well you're fucking talking about a dog you're a pussy bro she was my fucking best friend my German Shepherd she was one and when I came out and saw her dead on the fucking ground I fucking lost it bro I totally lost it. They're like, bro, it's just a dog. I fucking love that dog more than I love fucking anybody in my family, to be honest. Except my son. Like, that dog meant everything to me. And losing her, I almost slipped up. But I said, I'm not going to go out and get all fucked up. And the worst thing is, the lady who fucking hit her never apologized. And it's just fucking gnawing at me. And, like, my old ways are coming back. Like, and, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do anything. It's just, 
I lost my fucking dog and it sucks. But she gets to fucking wake up and live her life every day. But I lost my dog. You know what I mean? That's just get, tough, like, people are just people are so inconsiderate assholes. Like, you know, like, like there's no way. Killed my fucking dog. She was only one. Family member, man. It's like, yeah. Treat like family. It's that unconditional love from an animal. Like I, I always said that too. Like I've lost animals in the past that I've been more upset about seeing humans go. It, me, bro. Me too. I, I was fucking trying to give a CPR or anything. Then I saw her eyes glaze. It just sucks. You know. Uh, yeah. It's... I can't get into that, bro. But that's the only slip up I almost had. And then I just said, it ain't worth it. Calm as a bitch. What goes around comes around. Uh, you know, I just hope she rested in peace and that's it. Now think, right. now think, now think how you, now like you, you were there obviously when that whole situation occurred, the lady was there and all that. Yeah. Okay, My, so think how you would have reacted if you were aunt 10 years ago and you were drunk or high. How would that have ended? I would, I would have fucking been in jail right now. Easily. It would, you got to yeah, like take care of it. Yeah. What am I going to fucking go over there? I own a business. I'm doing great. It was my dog. She was my best friend. But, you know, they're like, bro, justice for Harley, man. I'm like, karma's a bitch. Karma gets people, man. I don't have to do anything. Karma will get will get the people that they deserve. You know what I mean? I just let karma take care of it now. Her husband probably went to, like, a rub and tug, and he's going to bring herpes home to her. I hope so, bro. I hope she gets fucking a case of herpes or chlamydia. Or, or fucking syphilis and she's stuck with it. <laughs> Fuck her. But the one thing it, I was going to say about like, even like if you had like a minor slip up from my experience, anytime like I have something I'm going through and I fucking use or fucking drink, yo, that yep. problem's still there, man. Hey, uh, solving that. And it makes it worse. So, worse yeah. so like, it's, uh, it's, um, I don't even know how to put it in words. It's just, it's a process that people have to go through to get over it. And you know, sometimes it takes, you're probably still torn over it now. You know what oh, I mean? It's never oh. going to go away. Some things just no. don't ever go away. That's my experience, you know? Yeah. So. You got to learn how to grieve. That's why I think it's, you know, better if I would, instead of fucking acting on it, go on and talking to a therapist, telling mm -hmm. her how, maybe it'll help. There's certain ways you have to grieve. I, Scott lost his mom. There's certain ways you got to grieve about it. And he just, you know, I learned from him it ain't worth fucking going out of control. Because his mom wouldn't want that. Harley wouldn't want to see me fucking get in trouble. So I'll go talk to someone. And, like, maybe that'll yeah, I was help. So fucked up. Yeah, I was so fucked up back then. Like, my dad's mom was the only grandmother I ever had because my mom's mom died before I was born. And I was so fucked up back then. Like, a year and, like, three months later after my mom died, my grandma died of pancreatic cancer. And, like, I remember my dad knocking on my front door, and he's like, Graham died. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, like, I just shut the door. Like, and I, I went back to whatever I was doing in my apartment. No emotion. Like, I was so fucked up because, like, I was probably out getting fucked up all night. I didn't care. I wanted. I was more worried about probably getting fucked up more. And, yep. you know, he's telling me his mom died. Instead of me being, like, there for him, I'm still not over my own mom dying a year and three months before that. So, like, it wasn't even a big deal to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, no problem. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, 
couldn't have been worse than taking, you know, your mom. You, you were numb to it. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Earlier on, we talked about, um, you were talking about, like, uh, eliminating friends out of your life. Like, you don't chill yeah. with the same crew no more. Yeah. And I know Ann's, like, he really narrowed down the people he, he deals with now and stuff like that. And same thing with me. And that's one thing I want to give the audience advice on is um, even if you're not an addict, apply these things if you want to become a little bit more successful in your life. Because if you're just staying stagnant at where you're at and you want to get up on that next step, the main thing, one thing that really stuck out to me, and I'm not a big AA guru. I, um, I went to AA for maybe like two months. And then I just more or less, I look at AA like I'm not against it. If it works for you, it works for you. I didn't have the opportunities because I became early on in sobriety. I became like an over the road truck driver and they're like, yeah, but you can find meetings anywhere. And like, bro, I drove a tractor trailer for 18 hours straight. Like, I don't want to go find a meeting in Vermont. You know what I mean? I live in PA. Like I want to sleep. You know what I mean? So like I just worked really hard to occupy my time, but I did network with some good people from AA when I was on the road and stuff like that. And like some of the things that I feel as though like AA is like, here's your bag of tools. Now you got to go build the house. You got to go build your house towards the yeah. house the being your sobriety. It's work. what works for you. And one of the things that I'm trying to implement right now is that if you want to get successful and you want to get out of your realm of staying stagnant, or if you're trying to fight and become sober and live that life you want to live, people, places, and things have to change. Because if you're it. not where you want to be, you got to get rid of the toxic people and the negative people. You got to change the places you're hanging out with. Like, cause I mean, are you going to meet, are you going to meet people you want to network with at a corner bar on a Friday night at seven o'clock? Or are you going to meet, are you going to network with people that are eating a Ruth Chris lunch, having a steak for lunch at noon on a Tuesday? You know, that, I want to know how that guy's affording that steak on a Tuesday at noon. So that's the guy I want to network with. Not somebody that is a bum in a corner bar at seven o'clock at night blacked out. So places have to change and things have to change. The things that you do, the things that, you know, you normally used to do, you can't be doing them. Like, you know, if you're saving up, you want to invest in real estate. You're not going to be doing the same things like going out, blowing money, going to concerts, going to um, going on exotic vacations, buying uh, cars and toys and all that other extra stuff. Things have to change, too. You have to be able to make sacrifices. That's right. And listen, guys, and this is another message before we get off. You got to change the people, places, and things. Birds of a feather flock together. So if you're going to, if you want to be a winner, you're going to have to get some guys that own their own businesses that could show you the ropes. You want to be around winners. If you, if you want to stay stagnant and be around the people that stay at the same place, they're staying at that same place for a reason. If you want to be a loser, you hang out with losers. If you want to be a winner, you hang out with people that excel, that are doing good, that drive nice cars. It's not even all about material shit. Just people that have good a good head on their shoulders. I'll always pick that smart guy over that guy who thinks he knows everything but has nothing, who doesn't even have a house. So birds of a feather flock together. Just keep concentrating. You can do anything you want to in this world. Just keep concentrating on it. And I promise you, if you change people, places, and things, you're going to see a totally different you. And you're going to say, wow, I should have did that a year ago. Because I, where you're living proof right here.
if me and Scott and, and Ange could get through what we got through and still be here and do what we're doing, you could fucking do it. I'm nobody special. Mm-hmm. And if I could do it, you could fucking do it. Anybody who's listening. Before anybody. we uh, end the segment, like, and you can definitely relate to people, places, and things, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of live by this saying, man. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Like, nothing. Absolutely. So, like, I, I always try to tend to, like, want to go forward or go somewhere. But I don't want to go backwards. I don't care if uh, it's just a little, like, you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys. As long yeah, as I'm going sure. forward and, you know, I strive to be the best person of myself, um, it's a good day, you know? Anytime I go backwards, if I do, I mean, it happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I just try to go forward. I don't try to ever go backwards because I don't want to go back to that life. That life brought me misery and hell and the emotional bankruptcy was just, I couldn't even live with myself, you know what I mean? You know, now, like changing everything that I had to change. You know, I have a little bit of hope today. I have good people in my life. People that matter, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be around those people that just want something, like I said before. You know, so... The people, places, and things is definitely... Uh, it's key, man. It's not just key for guys like us. It's key for anybody in this world. If you want to be successful, or you want to achieve something, those things have to happen, you know? That instant gratification's got to be out the window, too, like... As long as you're moving up and you're not going back down, you got to take that as what it is. And, like, one of the things I always say is, like, I see myself slowly going up the ladder year by year. Every year I don't go back to that life. I can say, like, one of the phrases that I, I implement in my head all the time is, I'm not where I exactly want to be, but I'm not where I once was either. That's so that, That's, like, rock solid to me. It's like, like yeah, I might not be where I want to be, but... I ain't looking out my shades thinking the cops are outside my house. I'm not calling people, asking them what did I do last night. Anything forward is good. Like Ann said, I put my head on the pillow now. I sleep with peace. I like like waking up without... I mean, don't get me wrong. You still have your stress and worries. I mean, everybody always hits financial burdens and stuff like that unexpectedly. But the thing is now is like learning how to face those problems soberly. And not, like, saying, like, because back in the day, you start getting ambushed with issues. You just say, well, fuck it. I'll deal with those at another time. And I go get fucked up for a couple days. Those problems are still going to be there when you get sober after you put, like, your substances down. But they're going to be twice as worse, like Ann said, you know? It's just a big guy. Even if, you know, really what helped me, and this is the last thing I'll say, if you're a young kid out there and you're looking at us, guys, go to the gym. You meet a lot of people at the gym that, like, don't go meet a guy at a fucking bar. If you guys want to get healthy and feel good, and I met a lot of role models that I looked up to at the gym. Join a gym, man. Those are guys that work. They come home from work, and they want to improve their bodies. They're not out destroying their bodies. They're in the gym. So that's another good thing to get you out of or your depression, go fucking take it out. Go lift some weights and meet some good guys in there. And some of those guys will take you under their wing and they'll lead you into a direction where you want to be. The gym worked for me, guys. So that's another thing. You could go join a gym if, if you're in a dark place. You feel better. You wake up feeling better. 
you're not drinking anymore, and you could possibly meet an older guy who could take you under his wing, who's been what you've been through, and could tell you what to do to avoid it and succeed. And that's all I have to say. Anything else, Stanish? No, I just want to say thanks for having me on the on the show. Thank you for having me always. Experience. Uh, you know, a pleasure to meet you, Aunt Scott. And again. meet you. I hope uh, we stay in touch, brother. Yeah, You're man, a good definitely. Good guy, man. Definitely. And I'll be seeing you soon, brother. And yeah. um, guys, thanks for tuning in. Please click subscribe. Um, check the link below in our description. You guys go on and check out Top Class Mafia um, apparel. The link will be below in the description. Uh, link up with that. Lots of good new stuff coming out for the fall winter. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of collect summer collection and uh, got stuff for guys, girls, and um, check it out, man. Good stuff. Um, so uh, other than that, um, you know, thanks for tuning in. Please click subscribe if you like our content and uh, hope you guys got a little laughs, humor, and some messages sent from uh, our past experiences. Right, yes, guys. guys. Back. Peace and love, guys. To Peace everyone. out. Peace, Peace out, guys.